Okay, here we have Charlie Borman. He is a travel writer, an actor, an adventurer, a true inspiration to many who ride motorcycles. He and his good friend Ewan McGregor from Star Wars have ridden literally thousands and thousands of miles in places across the world that you would not believe. If you hadn't seen the video, if you haven't seen his documentaries, you got to see them. It will blow your mind where they have put motorcycles, um, but literally ridden around the world. Super excited to have uh, Charlie on the line here. And I'm also glad that Mark is not here with me today because I'm on my own and I get to just ask Charlie the questions that I want to ask him. Here we go. Welcome to the Behind the Bars podcast, where we discuss all things motorcycles, memories, and mayhem. This is awesome. Sponsored by Wilkins Harley-Davidson. Let's get this thing started. Here's John and Mark. So on the line with us is someone that is a true inspiration to a lot of motorcyclists, Charlie Borman. Charlie, how are you? Well, we appreciate that, Charlie. Is uh, uh, truly this was a an exciting uh, opportunity for us with Behind the Bars podcast to interview you. I know your time is really valuable. You got a lot of different things going on, so I figured we could just kind of jump right into it. Is uh, for those of us that are listening that don't know who Charlie Borman is, I, I don't know why they wouldn't know who you are, but tell us just uh, real briefly what's the Wikipedia version of you, Charlie. <laughs> I apologize if anybody's looking me up right now. Um, but, well, I suppose people will know me more for um, uh, for uh, a motorcycle trip, that, that a couple of motorcycle trips that I did with Ewan McGregor, uh, who's, who's an actor. And we went, um, the first one was called Long Way Round, and we went from London to New York, going east through Eastern Europe, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, Siberia, Far East, Russia, and then on to Alaska, Canada, then America, and then finally New York. Um, and uh, we made a TV show about that, and then and then we did one called Long Way Down, where we went from the top of Scotland to the bottom of of Africa, Cape Town in South Africa, and um, went through um, Libya and um, uh, Egypt, uh, Sudan, Ethiopia, Kenya, Uganda, Rwanda, Tanzania, Malawi, and, and then eventually down to uh, to South Africa. So so I suppose that's that's the ones that people know us for, and then in between. Long way around, long way down. I did the Dakar rally and made a TV show about that, and broke my hands, didn't quite finish, and then and then a whole bunch of other TV shows. So that's kind of how it started. But then I think maybe quite a lot of your audience might know uh, me from from when I was much younger. My father is a film director, a guy called John Borman, and he directed films like Deliverance and Excalibur and Hope and Glory and Point Blank and all these different movies and and. Um, and as children, uh, we followed my father around, and we were just chucked into all sorts of his movies. So, 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 um, so, so, so the first one I was ever in was a film called uh, Deliverance. You did, was this the tricycle story, Charlie? Sorry. Was this where your father uh, paid you with a tricycle? If, if anybody at this point is thinking, "Am I the guy with the banjo?" No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I just appear at the end of the movie, and and uh, my father said to me, you know. Charlie, if you sit on that sofa with that bloke, I'll give you a tricycle. It sounds kind of dodgy, but I really wanted the bicycle. 
kind of started for me, really, in a nutshell. So, so Charlie, you, you know, um, long way around. Uh, a lot of us have seen, you know, the the show, and I, I know I have this series on DVD, and it was one of those series where if you haven't seen it and you're into motorcycling at all, even remotely, um, maybe not even into motorcycling, but it is one of those series that you can't stop watching. You end it and you say, you've got to find out what happened next. What, tell me, you know, and maybe it came, you know, came out in other interviews, but what's your favorite story on, on just Long Way Round with, with Ewan McGregor? What, what, what did you guys do that you thought, you know what, the best story that came out of that was? You know, I mean, one of the hardest things, I suppose, or, or the most, um, the most, one of the most difficult things is actually trying to sort of get the, get something done. So if anybody's ever done a, a big ride or has done, you know, they're going to go off for a couple of weeks or they're going to go whatever, and, and you mention it to your friends and maybe maybe six or seven of you go, yeah, yeah, no, we'll do that. And, and, and then slowly as the date gets closer closer to, to the leaving time, you, you know, more and more people drop out and... and, and and it's a challenge to really get to the start line, I suppose, of your adventure or of your journey, whatever it is that you're doing. And I think I think one of the biggest things that I remember from doing the long way was was actually finally getting to that day when we could actually leave. And and um, and I remember, you know, we'd so overpacked all our our, our, <laughs> our bikes. I mean, we had double everything. We had two sets of toolkits. We had, you know, two two Bunsen burners for the camping. I mean, we just had so much stuff. You could barely, you know, keep the bike upright. And um, and then we got into all our motorbike gear. We were getting on the bikes and sweating. And, you know, just, there was no romantic kind of lead. It was all just, <laughs> just, just, just get on the bikes and go and try and get some wind in our face so we could just cool down. That was, that was what was going on in my head. But that was probably the hardest thing was just to get to the start line. But but I think that, you know, when you and I were trying to get the TV show off the ground, we, we um, you know, people would say, you know, well, what's, what's the idea? You know, what are you going to do? And said, well, we're going to ride around the world and we're not quite sure what's going to happen. But, but um, and so, so, you know, it was a bit of a difficult sell. And, and, and when we finally got on the bikes and started moving, you know, we really didn't know what was going to happen, if anything was going to happen at all. And, um, and I think that was the most sort of scary moment where you finally gunning off and then thinking, you know, gosh, will actually anything ever happen? And, um, and we were quite wrong because it just suddenly, after a while, it just suddenly realized that we were just, you know, every day that something crazy would happen. Well, Charlie, weren't you told, I mean, didn't, didn't, uh, didn't some of the folks from KTM tell you that, that some of the roads no longer existed that you were planning on going on? Yeah, I mean, I mean, one of the it's interesting because we were we were contemplating between KTM and BMW, and and, and in the end we went with BMW because I think KTM kind of felt that they weren't sure that we were gonna you were gonna make it. it. They didn't know whether you were gonna make it. Yeah, they really didn't think that we were gonna make it. And <laughs> we were our argument was well, actually, it it doesn't really matter what you think. It's it's more about giving it a go, whether or not you'll make it or not. Who knows, you know? And um, and so and so. You know, but and the thing that the thing that we really noticed is that whenever you go, to, so we crossed lots of borders. You know, going in from from Russia into into Mongolia, from Mongolia back into Russia, into Kazakhstan, into all these different places. And in TV shows I've done since then, I've you know travelled into Iran and 
and, and, and you ask people, you say to people, I'm off to Iran or I'm off to Libya or, or Sudan or something like that, and people go, ooh, that's a dangerous place. And you go, is it? And they go, oh, yeah, it's terribly dangerous. And you say, and you say have you been there? And they go, no. <laughs> so all they do is they're just, they're just sort of, you know, reading what they read in the newspaper or someone tells them, but they have actually no idea because they've never been there. And um, I remember when we crossed over to, into, into Iran, this wasn't with you and this was in, on another show, and we were trying to be really clever because, you know, this is this dangerous place and, you know, all this is going to be really hard to get in. And so we thought we'd go just before the border closes so that they didn't have time. They might just rush us in. And, you know, we had this big plan. So we finally crossed over. And as we crossed over into the border, you know, we came in, handed the passport over, and they looked in and went, oh, hey, hi, welcome in, come on in. We've been expecting you, and, and, <laughs> and we hope you have a lovely time in our country. And, and it was the easiest crossing we'd ever been to. That, that was Iran? But, but everybody had told us that it was going to be a nightmare. That, that was Iran, Charlie? Yeah, yeah, this was Iran, yeah. My God. So, and, um, and then you finally get into Iran, and, 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 and it's nothing like the people tell you. And, and that's what happened... In a lot of countries, you know, you, you, you're, you're told about Libya and about Egypt and about Sudan, all these countries, that, that, and people go, oh, it's a terribly dangerous place. But, but really, in the end, most of these places, you know, that are just full of people like you and I. We all just want to get on with life and work and send our kids to school and all that kind of stuff. And that's pretty much what happens everywhere, you know. Well, Usually the governments that mess it up for everybody else. They, isn't that the truth? So, so on a lot of these places that you visited with like long way around, I mean, it, it, it appeared, and I understand what you're saying about maybe that's what we were, were led to believe that it's a dangerous place, but it, I mean, the show does, you know, the series, it makes you anxious. It does look, it does look dangerous. It does look like you had potential run-ins at times, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, there was a couple of, there was a couple of moments where certainly you thought, gosh, this is, this is not, not going to work. But, you know, a lot of the time it was about the conditions of the roads as well that made it really difficult. Like getting through Mongolia was, was really hard. The conditions, you know, the people were lovely, but, the, but you know, you've got a country that's, that's almost the same size as Europe, and, and they've only got 500 miles of tarmac road in the whole country. And, and the rest of it is all just dirt roads and no signposts and all that kind of stuff. And, you're, and then, you know, you know, this notoriously got bad weather and then these dirt roads turn to clay and they're super slippy. And, you know, that makes navigation really difficult because you just, there are no signposts. You know, you've, you've got dirt tracks that are going along and then they come to a little mountain or something and the road splits. And sometimes the road splits, just they just go either side of the, of the small hill or something. But... Sometimes you know you take a right and then the, the road just veers off to the to, to the right and to a completely different um, direction and then you've got to go all the way back and get the the next dirt road back to the direction you want to go in and oh my god you know so that creates huge amounts of anxiety you know and, and time is always running out and and, and then you, you know I think when we were in Mongolia I think we camped I think it was something like 15 16 days in a row and and our progress was so slow and and um, and, and it just made it hard work, you know. And um, and then, you know, what's interesting as well, what was really, what you, I've realized, so, and, and I'll give this tip to any adventurous people out there, is that when you're in places like Mongolia or Africa and stuff, don't ask someone on a horse or a camel for directions. 
they'll they'll just take you over some little tiny dirt road over a mountain pass. Whereas, you, you know, I remember we, we, you and I would stop to this one guy and he was on a camel and we said, you know, we were trying to get to this town. And, and he looked at the map and had no idea about the map. Just, you know, he, everything was instinctive for him, you know, because he was, he was brought up there. And he just pointed up this little track over this hill. And, <laughs> and so we went up the track. And we suddenly quickly realized, while it was too late, that, that this track was really good for a camel, but absolutely no good for a huge motorbike full of gear. And I remember we finally struggled up to the top of this hill, and we were looking down, and we could look down, and, and we could see this perfectly good gravel road going around around the hill, which is what we should have been on. So, so from that point on, we, we, we always directions from someone in a car or a truck that makes sense that makes but, sense but, but you know you just didn't see them that often cars and trucks there just wasn't much traffic you know i mean they really it was amazing how how few people there were so uh i mean climbing some of these these roads and these mountains i mean on a motorcycle that is is while it's certainly durable um you know I can't help but think climbing up some of these hills or going over a mountain pass or whatever, there were some some places that it just it scared the living hell out of you. Yeah, I mean, and, I mean, you know, I remember in, in, in one of the countries we were going through in, in Ukraine, we were going through, it took us a long time to get through, through the border, and I think 19 hours we, we, to get into Ukraine. And we, we had the wrong, we didn't have the original paperwork, we just had photocopies. Uh, of some of some of the of the of the bike um, uh, of the bike documents, and they they were refusing us to listen. So we were there for for such a, ever such a long time, and then we finally got into Ukraine, and 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 we were riding along a beautiful part of the world, and um, and we got stopped by the police for for speeding <laughs> by these guys, and, and that's what the, the the speed gun didn't work. They just had it was just. Um, speed was drawn onto the onto the screen and and uh, and he showed us really quickly showed us how fast we were going I said that that you just drew that on with a with a sharpie didn't you anyway so we started laughing about that and then he invited us back to his house <laughs> they come and stay with us and that's exactly what you and I wanted to do you know was to be invited into people's houses there was just you and I and Claudia our cameraman and 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 it was perfect and so we, he, we waited for him to finish his shift, and, and then we went back to his house. But in Ashford, in the end, we, he didn't take us to his house. He took us to this kind of sort of mafiosary-type guy um, who was living in town. It was a really poor town. You know, not much was going on. And so we drove through the town and, 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 and up to this guy's house who had these big metal gates and these big electric gates opened up, and we walked, drove into what looked like South Fork, you know, from, from, from Dynasty and... and we thought, my God, where is this guy getting all this money from? And they were building a swimming pool, and you know, it was just extraordinary. And we so we sat there and met this guy, and and he he was very nice, and he invited us in for lunch and and, and stuff and to spend the night, and said, you know, we'd love to have you over. And he was sort of cooking at this 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 late lunch, and and his friend turned up, and his friend took his jacket off, and he was this kind of big guy with a broken nose and fingers were all gnarled up and he, you know you were thinking oh my god who's this guy and he takes his jacket off and he's got a gun and he just takes the gun out and puts it on the table <laughs> and you know in Europe we're not used to guns in Europe right and, and so you and I were looking at this guy thinking oh my god what's going to happen now and then 
And then he turned, he was like, but then, then all his friends started turning up and everybody had guns or machine guns or, <laughs> or, or, or AK-47s or, or, you know, assault rifles <laughs> and guns. <laughs> they're all wearing suits and pinstripe suits and they've all got guns in their jackets. They all look like they've watched, you know, um, The Godfather too many times. And, 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 uh, oh, and, and it just, the night went on and on and on and the whole house was full, full of all these guns and this guy, Igor, who, um, who owned the house was, and I must say, you and I sat there, you know, amongst all these people, uh, just thinking, you know, are we ever going to get out of here alive? <laughs> and, and it just, it turned out that we ended up till three or four in the morning, everyone was drinking vodka and shooting guns outside and, and, and all this kind of stuff. And, and they were just having a good time, you know, and they, they wanted to show off and show us a good time. <laughs> but I must say, it was one of the few houses that on the trip that I was really happy to leave, you know, with my life. <laughs> well, it was probably one of the safer places in the area. Probably, yeah, probably. Yeah. But, you know, they all just looked so dodgy in their suits, <laughs> you know. And then, and, then, and then we told them about how long it had taken us to get into, into that country and that all this paperwork, and it was really hard work to get in and stuff. And he, and he was, this was like 2 o'clock in the morning. And he was he was absolutely outraged by by this. So he picked up the phone and rang somebody, and he just sort of started shouting at someone in Russian, and and um, put the phone down and said, "Okay, it's all sorted. You'll be fine." Because we were crossing the border the next day. <laughs> we, we left the house. We left the house, and we headed towards the border. It was only about I don't know twenty miles away, and uh, and, and and as I come up towards the border, I could see this 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 policeman standing in the middle of the road, and he, and he sees us coming, and he. And he runs back to the to the border gate. And he swings the border gate open, and he and he and, he, and as we go past, he go, he's just shouting, "Go, go, go!" <laughs> it took us about thirty seconds to leave the country. It was oh, it was so funny. That's that's so, pretty amazing. But you do meet across, and every day, you know, we'd wake up in the tent, and we just just think, just think, what are we, you know, what's going to happen next? We just had no idea. And every day there was something was going on, you know. Um, it was just, it was, and, and it's a real trip of a lifetime, it really was. Well, and, and, and why I opened this podcast with, you know, uh, indicating you're an inspiration, while you may not realize that, I think you're an inspiration to, to so many for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but a 20,000, it was about 20,000 mile trip, right, Charlie? Yeah, 20,000 miles. Yeah, so, I mean... Anybody that rides in the states here in the United States, or goes on a weekend ride, or a you know a, a, an across the country type of ride, um, pales in comparison to a twenty thousand mile ride where where you're told in advance. I mean that's that's the startling part part of this is you're told in advance that it's unlikely that you will be able to to uh, to complete this trip, but you in in uh, I think that's what drives you on, you know. And, and what's really interesting about that twenty thousand miles—I mean, that's the most land mass you can do to, to, to ride around the world. We only took—we we, we took the, the channel, we took the the uh, Euro Tunnel. You know, we put our cars in the in the, we put our motorbikes in the in the train and went under the under the um, under the English Channel and then rode all the way to Magadan and then took a short flight to. Uh, uh, um, uh, Alaska, and then apart from that, we, we rode the whole way.
away. And what was really interesting was that you're writing to these extraordinary countries, you know, Kazakhstan, Mongolia, Siberia, uh, Eastern Europe, you know, um, Ukraine, all these incredible places. And, and, and what's lovely about riding a motorbike as opposed to flying in is that, you know, there's no jet lag. You're, you're just going through time zones without really realizing it. And then the really cool part about all of it is, is that when you get to a border and you cross over the border, everything changes. Huh. You know, so so the the landscape changes, the uh, the forestry changes, the the colour of the tarmac, the the way um, lines are painted on the road, the, the way signposts look, um, uh, houses, the way people dress, the, the 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 way shops are presented, everything changes. I mean, literally on a line, and you drive over that line, and everything's changed, and 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 you know, you spend the next day or so sort of adjusting to the next country, and and it's just one of the most fantastic ways of, of, of traveling. You know, there's no, there's no um, customs, nobody really bothers you. You know, it's, it's pretty easy. It's, it's just, it's the nicest way to travel. What, what about when you are riding a motorcycle around London or, or, or some of the places where you're just pure enjoyment, just kicking back? I always like to ask people, you know, what, why, why a motorcycle? What's important to Charlie when he rides a motorcycle that just gives you enjoyment? Well, for one, London is just, uh, it's just, just so much traffic in London. It's just ridiculous. I think something like six million people come in and out of the city every day. And, and it's just bonkers place. And, and, you know, the roads were built for horse and carts, most of it. And so, you know, cars just don't fit that well. And, uh, and you, you know, for motor, you know, motorcycling, in London, you you know you can filter or you can lane split, as you guys call it. And, and in actual fact, if you if you don't lane split while you're taking your test and you don't progressively get to the front of the queue, uh, they'll fail you. So uh, so so it's a brilliant way of, of of moving around. But 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 for me, riding. I started riding when I was about six or seven years old, and I used to I used to, I, I grew up in Ireland in the countryside, and 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 we. Uh, my dad was really big into horses, and so we used to ride horses, and, and I, I loved it. Um, and then a friend of mine in the village, we lived in the middle of nowhere, and a friend of mine in the village that was nearby, he had a, a Mako 400, which was just which was the, 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 the bike to have in those days. <laughs> and, and a big dirt bike, two-stroke two thing. And, and I, I just heard the noise and had to go and see it, and eventually I persuaded him to give me a, a go on the bike and 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 that was it I, I was hooked and and then, and then I realized as well as that if you had a motorbike you could ride it all day and then just park it up and lean it up against the wall and walk away you didn't have to you didn't have to clean it you didn't have to muck it out you didn't have to feed it you didn't have to you look after its hoof clean 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 the saddle and bridle you didn't have to do any of that you could just ride it all day and then just leave it and and uh, so I suppose that was part of why hmm. I got into motorbikes was just because I didn't want to muck out a horse anymore. You have uh, quite a few bikes in your fleet, right, Charlie? A couple, yeah. I've got to be careful because if my wife listens to this, you know, the the the, the cat's out the bag. <laughs> are there uh, are there any plans to? To uh, ride out in the states any anytime soon, anything in the works that you could you could fill us in on? Yeah, I'm 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 thinking about um, I'm I'm putting together um, 
end of this year, beginning of next year, um, a, a, a speaking tour um, around America. So, so we're going to do, we're looking at doing three or four dates on the East Coast and then three or four dates on the West Coast. Um, uh, uh, like an evening with Charlie. Uh, um, I've done it a number of times here um, and, and, and it seems to have worked. So we're just sort of exploring that. Um, and then, um, and then um, I think you know, you and I have been chatting about possibly doing a long way up. So, 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 and that would take in a bit of America, I think. So, so there's lots of possibilities going on, but you know, nothing for sure. Where would we find out more information on the on the speaking tour, Charlie? Yeah, the speaking tour will be. Well, I've got Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook, um, and then and then there's um, there's charlieborman.com. Uh, as well, and, and, and I do a lot of motorcycle tours as well, so I take a lot of people through um, Africa, so from Cape Town to Victoria Falls, I do once a year, I take a whole bunch of people on, on motorbikes, I'm, I'm, doing, um, I'm doing one this September, uh, and we go, we go um, from South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, Zimbabwe, uh, and it's a 16-day tour, just fantastic, 5,000 kilometers, and we do safaris and stay in beautiful five-star hotel lodges and it's a really nice ride and that's sort of 80% gravel roads and, and graded dirt roads and stuff like that. Interesting. Beautiful. I was there <clears throat> last year we had a whole bunch of guys and, and um, we were going through Namibia and we at several times we had to stop because you know at, at one time we had to get 40 elephants crossing the road and, and so you would just sort of sit there turn the engine off the bikes and just sit and wait for these majestic animals to go by and and you're riding beside beside eland and kudu and giraffe and 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 and, and warthogs and um, zebras. It's, it's quite extraordinary. Um, and you know, I've ridden in many places around the world, and 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 and, and never um, anywhere else in the world can you can you come across such diversity of, of wildlife that's right there in front of you. And 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 it really is something special. It's a it's an amazing journey. You know, especially if Never any uh, close calls with the fact that you're exposed, huh? Well, only only in the fact that you might get run over by a herd of elephants. But um, but no, I mean you know those countries are pretty safe. Um, you know, again, I think you know there's always that 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 idea. If you mention Africa, people always kind of worry. Uh, uh, but but you know I've been traveling from all over Africa for 20 years, and and um, you know touch wood, I've I've never really I've had wallet stolen i had a jacket stolen once and, and someone on the someone on the trip had their very expensive camera stolen but he did leave it on the seat and, of the bike and went to lunch <laughs> well I don't think anywhere in the world that that thing would be left <laughs> uh, so it's pretty it's pretty cool and and you know a lot a lot a lot of teenagers and a lot of people travel to africa every year and 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 you never really hear any any news about that, you know? So, so it's a it's a pretty cool place, you know. And and the world is changing, and and you know, wildlife is shrinking. So, you know, we we need to get out there and explore these places, you know, before it's too late. Yeah, well, uh, in the the conversation is interesting to me, Charlie, because literally, I I I, I uh, came into this podcast wanting to ask you all these different questions that pertain to some of the dangerous areas you've been and the exposure and everything. And here you are 
literally downplaying not only the areas you had to ride. And, and for those of us that have not seen uh, the, 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 the show, the, what I would call documentary, uh, yeah. it is amazing. Amazing, A, that you rode in these places in um, places that I would never take a the largest four-wheel drive vehicle that I could gain access to. You drove through with motorcycles and you did it um, safely and uh, the motorcycles held up. And, and then here you are talking about Africa and being exposed to animals and you downplay that as well. It's, it's really an interesting it conversation. Is, it, it is Very, really sounds like uh, everywhere you've been, you've always had people somewhat uh, locals watching out for you. Yeah, and, and people are, you know, people on the whole are, 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 are hand on my heart, and I know it sounds like a cliche, but, but hand on my heart, people are, people are really good, you know, and 90% of people just want to, just want to live a normal life. I mean, I grew up in Ireland during the Troubles in, in Northern Ireland, and, and Although I lived in Southern Ireland, so I, I wasn't really, uh, you know, it was not, not much was going going on down our part of the world. But I had a lot of friends in Northern Ireland, and 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 you know, you would walk up there, and people would say, "Oh, Northern Ireland is just a, it was a, it was a war zone, a battlefield." But but really, the reality of it was everybody got on with their normal life, and there was little pockets of 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 terrible things that happened. But but they were just you know things that happened every so often. But the rest of the time, people would just getting on with their lives you know and um and that's sort of how it goes really but 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 it, it is a beautiful world out there and, and and you know you know what if you listen to if you listen to a lot of people you know you, you might not go anywhere but but really you know hand on my heart you know most places are pretty good obviously if it's a war zone i would suggest maybe not going you know but but you know kenya uganda rwanda you know, Ethiopia, Sudan, Egypt, they're all beautiful places and, and fabulous people, you know. And, and, you know, if anybody goes there, 
they'll, they'll have a really good time. Well, Charlie, we have been talking on the phone for, for quite some time now. I know your time is really valuable. I don't want to eat up any more of it. Um, it's flown by. And uh, um, is there anything on your end that maybe you could uh, direct some folks to that would, uh, aside from watching Long Way in a Round or, or any of your other documentaries, any websites or anything that you want to um, just remind our listeners about? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, a, a lot of the, there's lots of information on my, um, on, on my website, charlieborman.com. Uh, and, uh, and Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter, all all, char- all of them are Charlie Borman. Um, and, and there's always postings, and there's, we're always sort of letting people know what's going on in those in those social medias. And <coughs> excuse me, I'm always letting people know what's going on there. So yeah, so 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 keep an eye, and, and if it all works, hopefully there'll be some dates, and, and you know, people are, are kind enough to come along and and have a listen. You know the. The Charlie Borman evenings can, can often be quite funny. There's lots of video and footage that people haven't seen, and it's a very funny show. So, so, so keep an eye, and hopefully we'll see a bunch of you listeners down the road. We would love that, and I know I will actively watch for those dates in the Northeast, and if you're out riding around uh, um, or you need a bike when you're out here, Charlie, look us up. We're happy to... Oh, that is so kind of Happy to provide you with a bike to... Pick you up. Right around the northeast and New England, and enjoy the the roads out here. I think you'd you'd uh, you'd enjoy yourself. Oh, I can't wait. Well, Charlie, thank you so much. We we sincerely appreciate it. We value your time, and uh, uh, this is Charlie Borman. Charlie, thank you. We really appreciate your time. Oh, pleasure. Have a lovely day, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Behind the Bars podcast, sponsored by Wilkins Harley Davidson. Stay tuned for our next exciting podcast. Check out additional information on WilkinsHarley.com.